You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, the Lions are now sitting at one and three. We were thinking a after five games, possibly two and three, which is still attainable. Going on the road to New England with a uh, an injured quarterback room, but boy, it after dropping this one to the Seattle Seahawks, forty-eight to forty-five offense, I think is one of those that it just feels better and looks better. Yeah. A minus. They're they're well and they're playing better than I think most people expected, especially yeah. going into last week. Oh, for sure. Down some of their playmakers. Defensively, it was I, I don't even know if there's an adjective that I, I really want to use because I don't think it goes far enough. Disgusting. Atrocious. <laughs> uh, I mean let's let's pull out the thesaurus. Um but I didn't see it live, obviously, like you. I didn't watch it live. I watched it later on, and sometimes I'm, I'm nervous about doing that because I already have in my mind an idea of what happens because I listened, I did get a chance to listen to the post game. Uh, I, I perused social media a little bit, and then I sat down and watched it, <clears throat> and I got to be honest, I don't think people were harsh enough. Defensively, for for what the performance and and they were harsh, yeah. you know, whether it was Aaron Glenn, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Rodrigo, Anzalone, Brockers, Lee Mc. I mean, you go right down the list, and there was there's plenty of blame to go around. You were on the field, you saw everything happen, both sides of the ball, the good on offense, the bad on defense. What's your takeaway now that you've had you know a night to sleep on it? Um. I think first thing that stood out, they were out coached. Uh, that was the first thing, and the second thing was they were out executed. Um, guys, defensively, just uh, it's been two weeks now. You see the front seven just running into blocks, not getting off blocks, um, not making plays, not finishing. Um, and you talk about the the game plan. I mean, look, Shane Waldron, the offense coordinator for Seattle, just I mean, he you talk about that cat and mouse game between coordinators. Quite frankly, he kicked Aaron Glenn's ass. He just did. All week last week, John, we were talking about, you know, how the Lions got to stop the run, right? How Minnesota ran all over them and Dalvin Cook ran all over them. And going back to last year, Rashad Penny put up 170 on them. Um, that's what that's what the uh, the vibe was. We got to stop the run. And you could tell early in that game, 
they weren't getting beat by the run, the Lions. I mean, they got beat by Geno Smith scrambling a couple times, but they, you could tell that defense, man, they had one thing in their mind, stop the run. And they were loading the box, and they were screaming downhill, and they were flying sideline to sideline. And what did Seattle do? Boot, 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 boot. Right, it seemed like twelve, fifteen times in that game they ran the same damn play, uh, which is a very basic, simple, vanilla play in the NFL, and the Lions had absolutely no answer for it. And for me, that's just that's coaching. That's coaching. Seattle knew that the Lions were gonna that they've been getting their ass chewed out all week about the run game. They knew they were gonna try to load up the box. They knew they could probably uh, mess with. With, with, with the lines a little bit, whether it was uh, formation, motion, um, quarterback's eye, whatever it was, right? And they took them to town. They did. And when Detroit finally had a chance late in that game to make a stop, you were looking at the sideline. You know, I'm kind of wandering up and down, and I'm looking, and I'm saying, all right, man, like who's that guy that's going to get this team going? Who's that dude on defense that's going to step the f*** up and get this group going? And I didn't see one guy do it. I saw Josh Woods, who's a special team guy, walking the sideline and trying to get guys yeah. going. And, you know, no offense to guys, Josh Woods. But special teams guys make the team because that's their personality, exactly. right? They're doing yeah. anything. They're willing to do anything yeah. to make the team, but they're just not good enough to play on either side of the ball. Right, and those aren't the type of guys that you need to have that, you know, just dog attitude in them. And, you know, even a couple of times there, you know, Lions down 38-23. Boom, they come back and score 38-31. All right, defense, let's get one stop, you know. Nope, 10-play drive, 60 yards, field goal. All right, you help them to a field goal. That's a win. That's the best you've done all freaking day. 41-31, your offense gets the ball back. Go down, bam, 12 plays, touchdown, 41-38. Okay, guys, hey, let's go, man. One freaking stop. Do your freaking job. Let's go. Nope, touchdown, 48-38. Oh, we got one more chance. Hey, look, our offense just scored in one minute, right? 48-45. Let's go, man. We got three timeouts. We get them into a third and five. Hey, somebody make a motherfucking play. We're coming off a timeout. Let's go. No, seven-yard run. Take a knee. Let's get out of here. Been fun. Thanks, Detroit. See ya. Like, that to me is just the biggest concern. I don't know if it's a leadership issue uh, they have after losing Tracy Walker on that defense. Um they just don't have enough guys that can make plays, and they don't have – it doesn't seem like any leaders right now that can right the ship when things are going wrong. Well, I think it's a leadership issue, and that's all trickles down from coordinator to position coach to players. Because if you're not getting your ass chewed out, if you're not being challenged – and it's not even an ass chewing, because we've all had ass chewings, right? And when you do – when that happens, right, you – there's something inside you, a fire that's lit, and you're going to do anything to make sure that that doesn't happen next week, that it doesn't happen again. And we're four weeks removed from that Philadelphia Eagles game and what Jalen Hurts did. Now, Jalen Hurts is better than Geno Smith. That that team as a whole is way better than the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. But the amount of steps that have been taken back – by this defense from that. you And I was going into that game hoping that whether it was the D-line, linebackers, defense, that they would at least be more disciplined and not over-pursue. You mentioned the bootlegs. Like one of the things that works best against the defense that over-pursues is play-action pass and bootleg. And when you, when you can bank on the fact, as an offense, that if we – 
show run to the left, sweep to the left, and we boot out that quarterback that I know the defensive end, outside linebacker, linebackers are going to bite up and they're going to flow with that play, as an offensive lineman, that's a dream. Oh, God. As an offensive coordinator, can you imagine as a quarterback knowing that you're going to roll out, you're going to have all day in the world, you're going to look downfield, you're going to be able to pick out the most open wide receiver, not just a open, but the (laughs) most open wide receiver and deliver the ball. Yeah, and and Aaron Glenn tried to – he broke it down perfectly throughout the week. I mean, he had a quote. Uh, I don't know what it was either Wednesday or Thursday when the coordinators talked, but um, he said, hey, sometimes these offensive linemen, these quarterbacks, they're going to try to do things to you now that they know how you play because you're a fast reactor, meaning, you know, these these linebackers, hey, they see a run, uh, any sort of run threat, and they're gone. And he said they're going to try to get your eyes, and that's just goes. That's what we're saying about the Seahawks. A lot of eye candy. It's a lot of eye candy, but in the end, they just run simple plays. Yeah. That's what it was yesterday. It was simple freaking plays, man. It wasn't watching you know Seattle go out there and reinvent the freaking offensive wheel. And oh my God, what are they doing? Wow, we've never seen this before. It's just simple plays. Yeah. And there's just too many guys right now on that defense that are trying to do too much, right? They're trying to do too much. Is that a better problem than having guys that are, aren't are trying, you know, that have an effort issue? It is. Right. But at the same time, it, you, that's how you get burned, man. That's how you get burned when you have a linebacker and a safety and a defensive end all in the same freaking gap because they are all their eyes light up and they're all trying to make the play. That's not your play. You know what I mean? If you're a backside D end and my tackle sprints down the line of scrimmage away from me, something's got to click that says yeah. boot. Right, play action, something. I'm not getting blocked. My My trigger's going up, right? My antenna's up. Something's going on, right? And by the time they're they're realizing what's going on, it's way too late. And for me, this this defense really has an awareness issue as well. I mean, there's so many situations where we saw it in Minnesota. I mean, first and ten, one yard run, right? Second and nine, oh, you get a little no huddle. They're coming to the line. What play do you think is coming? They just ran the ball for one yard. Do you think they're going to come back on second and nine and run for another one-yard gain? Probably not. My antenna's up. Okay, this might be a quick play-action play, right? Yeah. And and these guys just don't – they're not – they don't know what's going on. There's just I don't see any awareness. I see too many bulls in China shop just running as fast as you can into the offensive lineman and, and hope somebody else makes a play, right? I got my gap, right? I got my gap. Sooner or later, that's not good enough. Sooner or later, you, you not only you got to get your gap, but you got to get off a freaking block and make a play. And they're just not doing it. And this defensive line, in my opinion, uh, has been the most disappointing unit on this team. I thought that you know after the Washington game was like, okay, man, five sacks, like sixteen quarterback yeah. hits, you know, like stuff to run. What we saw from that first half against Washington is starting to look like an anomaly. What we saw yesterday, I think, is closer the norm. to their true identity than what we saw in that first half of Washington. And to me, it starts with the D-line. I think they're very weak in the middle, and I think those defensive ends right now are just they're not, they're not, they're not making an, an, enough tangible uh, – they're not getting enough tangible production on game day. Right? They're getting close a couple times. Close ain't good enough. So let me let me play devil's advocate just a little bit for those you know drink still drinking the Kool Aid. Is it possible? And you mentioned that there's no awareness. We you and I both know from having been in this game that we're much more aware in year six, year seven, year ten than we were as rookies, or even in year two. 
And on defense, you've got year two in Aleem McNeil. You've got year one, Aiden Hutchinson. Malcolm Rodriguez, year one. Um, you know, Amani uh, Awarie, a limited playing time at his position. Kirby Joseph, year one. I mean, it, J- Jeff Okuda, let's basically say it, year one for the most part. Yeah, he's still 16 young games in, his career. in or 14 yeah. games in. Year one, you know? we'll give him year two. All right. And so is this just a so young of a defense that not only can they, they're struggling to make adjustments week to week, but they can't make the in game adjustments because they just don't simply have the awareness or experience to draw off of? Well, it, I mean, you can't use that as, as an excuse. Can you use it as reality? Probably. Um, but that's what kind of leads can me back get to. Well, that's what leads me back to Aaron Glenn. Yeah. I mean, why were we so high on Aaron Glenn? Because it seemed like last year, last season, he did so much with so little. Now we were expecting him to have more this year, no. and they've gotten worse. Like they've just they've statistically been worse. And for me, that's the that's the most disappointing thing because you felt like, oh my gosh, Aaron Glenn's finally got a couple more players on that defense. What's it going to do? You know, with more talent. And I don't think any of us saw it going downhill like this. Um, do I think Aaron Glenn's still a hell of a coach? I do. I think the guys uh, love playing for him. I think the guys respect the hell out of him. I think he's a very passionate coach. Um, but we're going to find out exactly what kind of coach Aaron Glenn is. How do you respond off of not only this game, but really the first four quarters of your season, allowing the most points in NFL history through the first four games? So, that's a that's a so, that's a that's a dunce cap, you know. We're going to find out exactly what kind of coach he is this the next this this weekend in New England. All right, let's hop in Aaron Glenn's shoes for this week, or Todd Wash, the defensive line coach. How do you affect change? What do you do to make this defense more aware? What do you do to make them aware that hey, if you're Aiden Hutchinson. You don't have to try and do Aleem McNeil's job yeah. along with yours. You don't have to try and do Charles Harris's job along with him or Rodrigo. Like, you have a role. This is your assignment on this play. How do you get them to focus on just what they're doing and not bite on all of the things just simply because they're trying? There's 11 guys, and you mentioned it. I'm, I'm happy that there's 11 guys that want to make every freaking play. Yeah. But they also have to understand there's 10 other guys yeah, exactly. that can make those play. I don't have to make every single one. Yeah, and that's the problem I see right now with Hutch is he's gassing himself out. Yeah. He is. I mean, you watch, you know, go back and watch the film or watch it live. You know, after two or three plays, I mean, he's he's freaking sucking air, man. He's hands on the hips. He's kind of yeah. wobbling back to the line trying to find where he's supposed to line up. And I don't think he's out of shape. I just think he's just, like we said, he's trying to do too much. He's trying to make every single play. And you, you just got to learn that every single play is not yours to make. Um, but the question going back to Aaron Glenn, what would I do? I guess the easiest thing to do would be simplify it, right? Find one or two things that you're good at, that you feel like your guys excel at, that allow them to play fast, not think, and just go out there and, and play. Trim, uh, trim down the game plan. Trim, trim the game plan. That's what I would say, and I think Coach even mentioned it yesterday. Uh, maybe we're going to have to find a couple things that we're good at and just start from there, right? Because I don't know if they're throwing too much at these guys where there's too much thinking going on that's slowing them down, um, that there's no chemistry. They don't really trust where each other's going to be, so that's why they're trying to cover for somebody. I don't know if that's the issue, but uh, for me it would have to be just just simplifying the off, simplifying the defense. And like you mentioned, 
Are they young? Yes, they are. They're extremely young um, defensively. So maybe it's easier sometimes when you have young players just to find out, dude, all right, this is what this guy's good at. This is what we're doing, man. Go Mm -hmm. play fast. Don't think. Read, react, find a play and finish, you know, because it just seems – and I don't know if – it seems like there's too many times where they're getting gashed, you know, when they do call pressure, they're getting gashed. When they don't call pressure, you know, it's like it's almost damned if you do, damned if you don't right now defensively. So I think that would be my answer for you is try to find – you know, try to find one or two things, simplify the game plan for these guys, and, and let them play fast. Now, on the offensive side of things, we get a chance to talk about some positives. All right, and, and I'm not going to ignore the negative. You come out, you throw a pick six in the second half. Uh, it it doesn't do anything for your confidence. It doesn't do anything for the team momentum, but the offense was able to overcome. Did you see with guys like Shark out, Amon Ross St. Brown out, uh, Swift out, that they would be able to have this type of offensive output. No, my God, no. Um... Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. You know, I thought they would have a chance to win because their offensive line is playing really good. And anytime you have an offensive line that can control the game, no, you're always going to have a chance to win the game. But, no, I mean, I felt like a fool. Yesterday before the game, I'm sitting there preaching the under. You know, it felt like a 13-10 to 10 type of game. I look up after the first quarter, and I was like, oh, that's, fine. that's gone. <laughs> so, and it felt like, you know, this felt like a game that, for me, that Aaron Glenn was going to have to step up, you know, defensively. Hey, you know, yeah, you lost Tracy Walker, but other than that, you're pretty healthy. Um, you look over at your offense – you're not only missing, you know, you're missing like 70% of your production when you talk right. about Chark and St. Brown and, and obviously DeAndre Swift. You miss, that's a lot of that's a lot of production that you're missing, man. So defensively, you got to know, 
hey, we got to help our offense out today, man. They're freaking shorthanded. We got to go out there. Let's let's go win a game for once. You know, let's go dominate this game and put it on our back. And that was so disappointing because you forced a, a shorthanded offense to go out there and get into a shootout. And, you know, I was not expecting that production offensively. I, I thought they were still going to be good and be able to move the ball and, and control the clock. They're actually 45 points with missing your top three guys. Absolutely yeah. not. I don't think anybody did. Um, but, you know, Jared Goff is obviously uh, – it's been four straight games now I think we're talking about. He's, he's just playing at a much higher level. And, you know, I'd give him probably an A-minus, B-plus only because of that pick six. You know, that's yeah. just a mistake that – you can't, you can't, you can't do right, especially when your defense is is having trouble stopping anybody. You can't just spot them another seven points. But yeah. um, other than that, you know, it was good to see Hawkinson come out and uh, really have a, a beautiful day. It was good Two to see touchdowns, eight receptions, yeah. one hundred seventy nine yards, targeted twelve times. Yeah, first NFL and tight end, or first at tight end in NFL history. To I think it was. Uh, 150 yards, two touchdowns, and a two-point conversion. So, but it feels like a wasted performance. You know what I mean? It feels like a wasted performance, and uh, they've just had way too many of those lately. Just really good individual, solid performances that unfortunately are going, going, uh, going to the wayside. But um, Jamal Williams, I mean, good to see him take another step, right? I mean, we've always yeah. kind of wondered, is he that lead back dude? I mean, I know he's that good mix-up guy where you come in on the short yardage and you. You give Swift a blow, and he's more of the bruiser type. But for him to bounce, you know, break a fifty-yarder, I mean, I don't think we've seen that kind of speed from him at all the past couple of years. But so there were a lot of positives offensively, and um, the disappointing thing is, John, we both been there before. When you're getting into a game and you're scoring every single drive, but your defense is just, you know, leaking oil all over the place and can't stop anything, it's frustrated. It's 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 hard to stay together it's hard to not point the fingers right yeah. i mean it's hard and whether to sit it's there. publicly or not it's, right it's probably even worse in the locker room it is but and and honestly you know you don't spend a ton of time with each other i mean other than you see each other in locker room in the team meeting for what 10 minutes and the rest of the day you know you're kind of doing your own thing that's just something that this team man you got to find a way to do and that's why i think you know going back to coach campbell's press conference after the game um the defense was horse they were horrible. The offense was good, right? And, uh, you know, he kind of – I don't know if – I wouldn't really say threw Jared Goff under the bus, but when he said, you know, you can't have interception, can't let it go for six, you got to outscore teams, I don't care, you know, how much they're scoring, you got to you got to come score. Like that for me was maybe – and I think you mentioned it, maybe a way to say, all right, man, like I got to make sure I put some blame on you guys too so the defense doesn't start getting pissed that they're yeah. taking all the blame or the offense you guys think, you know, you're playing great and screw the defense type, right? But that that was kind of – that was puzzling for me when I heard it because instead of coming out and saying, uh, hey, defense, just get one stop, you say, hey, offense, you got to score every drive, like which is more realistic, you know, <laughs> which is the easier yeah. of the two. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's going to be something that, man – you got to make sure moving forward that there's no no division on this team because, like Coach said, when you start to panic, your season's over. I know it's only four games in, still a lot of football left, but uh, you know there are some there are some troubling patterns going on with this team specifically defensively. Well, and we heard from you know uh, Coach Campbell last year about how they can't have those mistakes because they don't have the ability to make up for them. Well, mm-hmm. now they have the ability to make up for some of those mistakes, but. It feels like the offense has to play a perfect game 
for them to have a chance to win. Yeah. And when you go and throw a pick six, I mean, it happened in week one in Philly. You know, pick six. Now, did did that cost them the game? Probably not. There was more things going on other than that. Did yeah. this one cost them the game? Probably not. But when you look at the point differential and you say, well, if that didn't happen, could they have won this game? Sure. But, you know, nobody's ever played a perfect game. Those yeah. are very obvious mistakes, and they cost cost you points, cost you field position, cost you all of those momentum. Right. But, you know, to say that, hey, you know, it it's stating the obvious, right? That you can't right, have yeah, you a, do math. Six. We gave them six, we lost by three, boo, 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 right. Right, yeah. but, you know, and then everything changes after that, but – and and that's the question I think that we'll find out from from this team, especially this offense, and and how this team works together, is going into the season we felt like hey the offense is going to have to control the tempo of the game yeah for them to have a chance to win and be successful de- defensively and for the most part the offense is doing everything possible to make it life easy on the defense scoring forty five points <laughs> for the most part winning time of possession yeah yet. The defense just finds more ways to get beat. Yeah, and that's honestly, John, maybe the most worrisome thing for me, um, because is this what they're doing offensively sustainable? They're going to hit a patch where a couple teams are going to, you know, you're going to go against a couple good defenses, and you might be scoring 17, 21, 24 points, you know. So that's the thing for me yep. that we talk about. This offense has to be so good to give themselves a chance to win. Well, what if they get into those games where the offense isn't great? What if you get into those games where it's just a freaking punching match, man, and, uh, you know, a boxing match, and you just, you know, the other team's just throwing haymakers and you're trying your best to survive. But we know that this type of production, I think, would be unfair to say this – is should be what we expect. I well, mean, I don't expect you know, them to score the, 45 the, points, let alone 35 points every game, right? And that's the, the trouble thing, troubling thing is the defense is going to have to eventually step up and win you some games. I just don't see how, how what that path is to do that. At New England, at Dallas. New England's always been a pretty good defense. Are, are, are much better than the defenses they've faced. Dolphins at home, and eh, you know what? I mean, their defense is good. I don't think it's outstanding. Packers is at home. Packers defense. defense is pretty darn good, yeah. and and that's going to be where this offensive line. I, I thought that they they've played well for a vast majority of this season to yeah. be able to run, especially with Jamal Williams, Johnny Swift out, and you still get Jamal Williams ripping off a fifty-one yard touchdown run. I mean, nobody's around that guy when he breaks through the line of scrimmage. He stiff arms yeah. one guy who's basically falling down. Now, I'm not going to say that I could do it, but. There's a lot of people, a lot of players in this league that could run through that hole and score a 51-yard touchdown. They're making things as easy as possible on this team. Yeah. This defense just, I mean, it's a very simple way to put it. They have to get better because there's going to be times throughout the rest of the season where they're going to have to step up and make a play. And they've had opportunities. They had an opportunity in the Philly game, you know, late in that game with how bad it went defensively. You had an opportunity on third and two to get a stop, get the ball back to your offense. Didn't do it. With how bad things went yesterday, you had a chance to get a stop on third and five with a minute left and potentially get the ball back to your offense. Didn't do it. Um, So it's just a pattern. It's a pattern of when you need to make the plays, you don't have the guys that can do it. And for me, how does that get better? I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer other than maybe the coach has got to put them in better spots to make plays. Uh, But at the end of the day, players – 
You're the ones on the field. It's up to you. You got to go. You got to find a way to make a freaking play. And they've had chances throughout these first four games, and for the large part, they have they have not done that. And no. that for me, they just don't have any. They don't have any dogs on that side of the ball. They don't have that dude that's going to take over the game and go make a play like a, you know, like a Micah Parsons young dude, right? Yeah. Like, you know, hey, it's third down, we need to stop. Micah Parsons, boom, QB hit, you know, sack, whatever it is. You got a guy, you got a game changer defensively. We don't have that, so it's up to the coaches, in my opinion, to find a way to let these guys play a little bit faster and maybe put them in positions where they can make those impacts because. It's just I don't know if I've I don't know if I've seen it this bad. I yeah. mean, yesterday was one of the most disgusting defensive performances you're ever going to see in an NFL game. So over four the course of four games with the injuries, not just in the skill position but on the offensive line, who's been the biggest surprise <clears throat> for you? The biggest you know you look at it and you're like, wow, you know what? If if they hadn't stepped up in, I'll give you an example: Jamal Williams stepping up in DeAndre Swift's absence. Like, who has been the biggest surprise for you throughout the course of four games on offense? Um, Probably Jared Goff. I mean, you know, we saw he finished the season strong last year. Um, But there were still a lot of questions. You know, there were still a lot of people, even this before this season, talking about, you know, hey, this might be his last year in Detroit. Let's go find that C.J. Stroud. Let's get that Bryce Young. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The fact that he's kind of playing his way into that long-term quarterback guy. solution, like making him going to make him make a hard decision, that for me is a pleasant surprise. Um, and we've seen Jared Goff in the past have success. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just don't think we've ever seen it at a consistent level. And – John, you just take a look at what he's doing in the first four games. I mean, is there an argument that he's playing like a top 10 quarterback? I think there is. You well, know, I think there is. You take away two mistakes that he made, a pick six in Philly and a and a pick six yesterday in Seattle. Um, there's an argument to be made that he's doing exactly what you need from a quarterback to go out there and win games. So, so he hasn't – he hasn't – he's been probably the biggest reason maybe him and the offensive line tied – why they've had a chance to win all four games. He, him, his play, his stability, and his confidence that he's playing with has been probably the biggest reason why they've been in these first four games. And here's where I think you're spot on, is at the end of last year, when did Amon Ra start to really come on the scene? It yeah, was late. those last six games, yeah. and that's when Jared Goff got comfortable. Anthony Lynn moved on. It was Dan Campbell, Ben Johnson, the rest of that staff putting together game plans. And throughout the entire offseason, how much time did he spend with Ben Johnson with this, with the staff creating this environment where he's comfortable calling plays, he's comfortable operating this offense. And you know that it's true when, okay, you give him more weapons. All right, you bring in DJ Shark, who whether he's catching the ball or not, he's a threat. Yeah. You've got Amon Ross St. Brown in his second year who's come out of the gates hard. And then you've got DeAndre Swift playing well. You've got Josh Reynolds. You've got guys that weapons around him for him to be successful. Now you take those weapons away, and he's still successful. And he finds a way to better utilize TJ Hawkinson. He finds a way, Tom Kennedy, three catches, 64 yards. Like, I mean, no matter who you throw out there right now, after this past weekend's game, you got to believe. Jared Goff is a guy that's going to go out there and give you a chance to win ball games. Yeah, and he's been it's been uh, it's been a 
very, very good to see, right? Because yesterday was kind of that game where it was like, okay, I don't know, right? This kind of looks like the offense we saw the first 10 games of last year yeah. where, you know, they don't really have any threats on the outside, you know? And uh, like you said, man, spreading the ball around and keeping the offense on in, in rhythm and getting yeah. everybody on the same page. And um, I think it's just been, it's been a pleasant surprise to see him what seemed to be take that next step. Um, I don't really know if there's any negative surprises offensively. I think most of the guys are playing well. Right? No. You could throw in – I mean, Panay Sewell's playing like the best right tackle in football. Is that a surprise? Not really in my no, mind but because in you kind of expect his, that from him. His youth, um, to see him make the progression that he's made from last year to this year. I mean, he grew a lot last year. Right. He's playing a lot better at the end of the year than he was at the beginning of the year. Position change. Now this year, you know, I'm, I'm watching him – his pad level is better. His, you know, confidence of of getting to the second level and making blocks is so much better. His yeah. change of direction and balance and pass pro. I mean, he is he's playing like the player that you thought you drafted. Yeah. Yeah. And he's uh like I said, I don't know if it's a surprise because I think this is what we expected out of him. Yeah. <laughs> Just because he's so damn good. Well, the the Lions are going to hit the road again. They've got a two-game stretch here where they're going to New England. They're going to Dallas. Bye um, week in between. Yeah, bye week in between. So hopefully some guys get healthy. Hopefully they're able to to iron things out defensively. We'll, <clears throat> we're going to get a chance to talk to you at the end of the week. We'll give you some more picks. Uh, and uh, we'll give you some keys to the game as we look forward to uh, the Lions hopefully Getting back on a winning track before they hit that bye week, you're listening to Necessary Roughness.